Section six of part one of volume one A of History of England from the Invasion of Julius Caesar to the Revolution of sixteen eighty eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of England from the Invasion of Julius Caesar to the Revolution of sixteen eighty eight by David Hume, Volume One A, Section Six, Chapter One, Part Four, The Kingdom of Northumberland. Adelfred, King of Bernicia, having married Acca, the daughter of Aella, King of Deiri, and expelled her infant brother Edwin, had united all the counties north of Humber into one monarchy and acquired a great ascendant in the heptarchy he also spread the terror of the saxon arms to the neighbouring people and by his victories over the scots and picts as well as welsh extended on all sides the bounds of his dominions having laid siege to chester the britons marched out with all their forces to engage him and they were attended by a body of twelve hundred and fifty monks from the monastery of Bangor, who stood at a small distance from the field of battle, in order to encourage the combatants by their presence and exhortations. Adelfred, inquiring into the purpose of this unusual appearance, was told that these priests had come to pray against him. Then are they as much our enemies, said he, as those who intend to fight against us and he immediately sent a detachment who fell upon them and did such execution that only fifty escaped with their lives the britons astonished at this event received a total defeat chester was obliged to surrender and adelfred pursuing his victory made himself master of bangor and entirely demolished the monastery a building so extensive that there was a mile's distance from one gate of it to another and it contained two thousand one hundred monks who are said to have been maintained by their own labour notwithstanding adelfred's success in war he lived in inquietude on account of young edwin whom he had unjustly dispossessed of the crown of deiri this prince now grown to man's estate wandered from place to place in continual danger from the attempts of adelfrid and received at last protection in the court of redwald king of the east angles where his engaging and gallant deportment procured him general esteem and affection redwald however was strongly solicited by the king of northumberland to kill or deliver up his guest rich presents were promised him if he would comply and war denounced against him in case of his refusal after rejecting several messages of this kind his generosity began to yield to the motives of interest and he retained the last ambassador till he should come to a resolution in a case of such importance edwin informed of his friend's perplexity was yet determined at all hazards to remain in east anglia and thought that if the protection of that court failed him 
it were better to die than prolong a life so much exposed to the persecutions of his powerful rival this confidence in redwald's honour and friendship with his other accomplishments engaged the queen on his side and she effectually represented to her husband the infamy of delivering up to certain destruction their royal guest who had fled to them for protection against his cruel and jealous enemies redwald embracing more generous resolutions thought it safest to prevent adelfrid before that prince was aware of his intention and to attack him while he was yet unprepared for defence he marched suddenly with an army into the kingdom of northumberland and fought a battle with adelfrid in which that monarch was defeated and killed after revenging himself by the death of regner son of redwald his own sons eanfrid oswald and oswy yet infants were carried into scotland and edwin obtained possession of the crown of northumberland edwin was the greatest prince of the heptarchy in that age and distinguished himself both by his influence over the other kingdoms and by the strict execution of justice in his own dominions he reclaimed his subjects from the licentious life to which they had been accustomed and it was a common saying that during his reign a woman or child might openly carry everywhere a purse of gold without any danger of violence or robbery there is a remarkable instance transmitted to us of the affection borne him by his servants quichhelm king of wessex was his enemy but finding himself unable to maintain open war against so gallant and powerful a prince he determined to use treachery against him and he employed one humour for that criminal purpose the assassin having gained admittance by pretending to deliver a message from quichhelm drew his dagger and rushed upon the king lilla an officer of his army seeing his master's danger and having no other means of defence interposed with his own body between the king and humour's dagger which was pushed with such violence that after piercing lilla it even wounded edwin but before the assassin could renew his blow he was dispatched by the king's attendants the east angles conspired against redwald their king and having put him to death they offered their crown to edwin of whose valour and capacity they had had experience while he resided among them but edwin from a sense of gratitude towards his benefactor obliged them to submit to erpwald the son of redwald and that prince preserved his authority though on a precarious footing under the protection of the northumbrian monarch edwin after his accession to the crown married ethelburga the daughter of ethelbert king of kent this princess emulating the glory of her mother bertha who had been the instrument for converting her husband and his people to christianity carried paulinus a learned bishop along with her and besides stipulating a toleration for the exercise of her own religion which was readily granted her 
she used every reason to persuade the king to embrace it. Edwin, like a prudent prince, hesitated on the proposal, but promised to examine the foundations of that doctrine, and declared that, if he found them satisfactory, he was willing to be converted. Accordingly, he held several conferences with Paulinus, canvassed the arguments propounded with the wisest of his counsellors, retired frequently from company in order to revolve alone that important question, and after a serious and long inquiry, declared in favour of the Christian religion. The people soon after imitated his example. Besides the authority and influence of the king, they were moved by another striking example. Coifi, the high priest, being converted after a public conference with Paulinus, led the way in destroying the images which he had so long worshipped, and was forward in making this atonement for his past idolatry. This able prince perished with his son Osfrid in a great battle which he fought against Penda, king of Mercia, and Caedwalla, king of the Britons. That event which happened in the forty-eighth year of Edwin's age and seventeenth of his reign divided the monarchy of Northumberland, which that prince had united in his person. Eanfrid, the son of Adelfrid, returned with his brothers Oswald and Oswy from Scotland, and took possession of Bernicia, his paternal kingdom. Osric, Edwin's cousin German, established himself in Deiri, the inheritance of his family, but to which the sons of Edwin had a preferable title. Eanfrid, the elder surviving son, fled to Penda, by whom he was treacherously slain. The younger son, Vusfraia, with Ifi, the grandson of Edwin by Osfrid, sought protection in Kent, and not finding themselves in safety there, retired into France to King Dagobert, where they died. Osric, king of Deiri, and Eanfrid of Bernicia, returned to paganism, and the whole people seemed to have returned with them, since Paulinus, who was the first archbishop of York, and who had converted them, thought proper to retire with Ethelberger, the queen dowager, into Kent. Both these Northumbrian kings perished soon after, the first in battle against Caedwalla, the Briton, the second by the treachery of that prince. Oswald, the brother of Eanfrid, of the race of Bernicia, united again the kingdom of Northumbria in the year 634, and restored the Christian religion in his dominions. He gained a bloody and well-disputed battle against Caedwalla, the last vigorous effort which the Britons made against the Saxons. Oswald is much celebrated for his sanctity and charity by the monkish historians, and they pretend that his relics wrought miracles, particularly the curing of a sick horse which had approached the place of his interment. He died in battle against Penda, king of Mercia, and was succeeded by his brother Oswy, 
who established himself in the government of the whole Northumbrian kingdom, by putting to death Oswin, the son of Osric, the last king of the race of Deiri. His son Egfrid succeeded him, who perishing in battle against the Picts, without leaving any children, because Adelthrid, his wife, refused to violate her vow of chastity, Alfred, his natural brother, acquired possession of the kingdom, which he governed for nineteen years, and he left it to Osred, his son, a boy of eight years of age. This prince, after a reign of eleven years, was murdered by Kenred, his kinsman, who, after enjoying the crown only a year, perished by a like fate. Osric and after him Selwulf, the son of Kenred, next mounted the throne, which the latter relinquished in the year 738 in favour of Edbert, his cousin German, who, imitating his predecessor, abdicated the crown and retired into a monastery. Oswulf, the son of Edbert, was slain in a sedition, a year after his accession to the crown, and Mollo, who was not of the royal family, seized the crown. He perished by the treachery of Eilred, a prince of the blood, and Eilred, having succeeded in his design upon the throne, was soon after expelled by his subjects. Ethelred, his successor, the son of Mollo, underwent a like fate. Selwold, the next king, the brother of Eilred, was deposed and slain by the people, and his place was filled by Osred, his nephew, who, after a short reign of a year, made way for Ethelbert, another son of Mollo, whose death was equally tragical with that of almost all his predecessors. After Ethelbert's death, a universal anarchy prevailed in Northumberland, and the people having, by so many fatal revolutions, lost all attachment to their government and princes, were well prepared for subjection to a foreign yoke, which Egbert, King of Wessex, finally imposed upon them. The Kingdom of East Anglia the history of this kingdom contains nothing memorable except the conversion of Erpwald, the fourth king and great-grandson of Una, the founder of the monarchy. The authority of Edwin, king of Northumberland, on whom that prince entirely depended, engaged him to take this step, but soon after his wife, who was an idolatress, brought him back to her religion and he was found unable to resist those allurements which have seduced the wisest of mankind. After his death, which was violent, like that of most of the Saxon princes that did not early retire into monasteries, Sigebert, his successor and half-brother, who had been educated in France, restored Christianity and introduced learning among the East Angles. Some pretend that he founded the University of Cambridge, or rather some schools in that place. It is almost impossible and quite needless to be more particular in relating the transactions of the East Angles. 
what instruction or entertainment can it give the reader to hear a long bead-roll of barbarous names egric anas ethelbert ethelwald aldulf elfwald bjorn ethelred ethelbert who successively murdered expelled or inherited from each other and obscurely filled the throne of that kingdom ethelbert the last of these princes was treacherously murdered by offa king of mercia in the year 792 and his state was thenceforth with that of offa as we shall relate presently the kingdom of mercia mercia the largest if not the most powerful kingdom of the heptarchy comprehended all the middle counties of england and as its frontiers extended to those of all the other kingdoms as well as to wales it received its name from that circumstance wibba the son of creda founder of the monarchy being placed on the throne by ethelbert king of kent governed his paternal dominions by a precarious authority and after his death seorl his kinsman was by the influence of the kentish monarch preferred to his son penda whose turbulent character appeared dangerous to that prince penda was thus fifty years of age before he mounted the throne and his temerity and restless disposition were found nowise abated by time experience or reflection he engaged in continual hostilities against all the neighbouring states and by his injustice and violence rendered himself equally odious to his own subjects and to strangers sigebert egric and annas three kings of east anglia perished successively in battles against him as did also edwin and oswald the two greatest princes that had reigned over northumberland at last oswy brother to oswald having defeated and slain him in a decisive battle freed the world from this sanguinary tyrant paida his son mounted the throne of mercia in 655 and lived under the protection of oswy whose daughter he had espoused this princess was educated in the christian faith and she employed her influence with success in converting her husband and his subjects to that religion thus the fair sex have had the merit of introducing the christian doctrine into all the most considerable kingdoms of the saxon heptarchy Peda died a violent death his son wolfhere succeeded to the government and after having reduced to dependence the kingdoms of essex and east anglia he left the crown to his brother ethelred who though a lover of peace showed himself not unfit for military enterprises besides making a successful expedition into kent he repulsed egfrid king of northumberland who had invaded his dominions and he slew in battle elswin the brother of that prince desirous however of composing all animosities with egfrid he paid him a sum of money as a compensation for the loss of his brother after a prosperous reign of thirty years he resigned the crown to kendred son of wolfhere 
and retired into the monastery of Bardney. This prince, who mounted the throne in 755, had some great qualities, and was successful in his warlike enterprises against Lothair, king of Kent, and Kenwulf, king of Wessex. He defeated the former in a bloody battle at Otford upon the Darent, and reduced his kingdom to a state of dependence. He gained a victory over the latter at Bensington in Oxfordshire, and conquering that county together with that of Gloucester, annexed both to his dominions. But all these successes were stained by his treacherous murder of Ethelbert, king of the East Angles, and his violent seizing of that kingdom. This young prince, who is said to have possessed great merit, had paid his addresses to Elfrida, the daughter of Offa, and was invited with all his retinue to Hereford, in order to solemnize the nuptials. Amidst the joy and festivity of these entertainments, he was seized by Offa, and secretly beheaded, and though Elfrida, who abhorred her father's treachery, had time to give warning to the East Anglian nobility, who escaped into their own country, Offa, having extinguished the royal family, succeeded in his design of subduing that kingdom. The perfidious prince, desirous of re-establishing his character in the world, and perhaps of appeasing the remorses of his own conscience, paid great court to the clergy, and practised all the monkish devotions so much esteemed in that ignorant and superstitious age. He gave the tenth of his goods to the church, bestowed rich donations on the cathedral of Hereford, and even made a pilgrimage to Rome, where his great power and riches could not fail of procuring him the papal absolution. The better to ingratiate himself with the sovereign pontiff, he engaged to pay him a yearly donation for the support of an English college at Rome, and in order to raise the sum, he imposed a tax of a penny on each house possessed of thirty pence a year. This imposition, being afterwards levied on all England, was commonly denominated Peter's Pence, and though conferred at first as a gift, was afterwards claimed as a tribute by the Roman pontiff. Carrying his hypocrisy still further, Offa, feigning to be directed by a vision from heaven, discovered at Verulam the relics of St. Alban the martyr, and endowed a magnificent monastery in that place. Moved by all these acts of piety, Malmesbury, one of the best of the old English historians, declares himself at a loss to determine whether the merits or crimes of this prince preponderated. Offa died after a reign of thirty-nine years in 794. This prince was become so considerable in the heptarchy that the emperor Charlemagne entered into an alliance and friendship with him, a circumstance which did honour to Offa as distant princes at that time had usually little communication with each other. That emperor, being a great lover of learning and learned men in an age very barren of that ornament, Offa, at his desire, sent him over Alsuin, 
a clergyman much celebrated for his knowledge, who received great honours from Charlemagne, and even became his preceptor in the sciences. The chief reason why he had at first desired the company of Alcuin was that he might oppose his learning to the heresy of Felix, bishop of Urgel in Catalonia, who maintained that Jesus Christ, considered in his human nature, could more properly be denominated the adoptive than the natural son of God. This heresy was condemned in the Council of Frankfort, held in 794, and consisting of three hundred bishops. Such were the questions which were agitated in that age, and which employed the attention not only of cloistered scholars, but of the wisest and greatest princes. Egfrith succeeded to his father Offa, but survived him only five months, when he made way for Kenulf, a descendant of the royal family. This prince waged war against Kent, and taking Egbert the king prisoner, he cut off his hands and put out his eyes, leaving Cuthred his own brother in possession of the crown of that kingdom. Kenulf was killed in an insurrection of the East Anglians, whose crown his predecessor Uffa had usurped. He left his son, Kenelm, a minor, who was murdered the same year by his sister, Quendraid, who had entertained the ambitious views of assuming the government. But she was supplanted by her uncle, Seolulf, who, two years after, was dethroned by Beornulf. The reign of this usurper, who was not of the royal family, was short and unfortunate. He was defeated by the West Saxons and killed by his own subjects, the East Angles. Ludicon, his successor, underwent the same fate, and Wiglaf, who mounted this unstable throne and found everything in the utmost confusion, could not withstand the fortune of Egbert, who united all the Saxon kingdoms into one great monarchy. THE KINGDOM OF ESSEX This kingdom made no great figure in the Heptarchy, and the history of it is very imperfect. Sleda succeeded to his father, Erkenwin, the founder of the monarchy, and made way for his son, Siebert, who, being nephew to Ethelbert, king of Kent, was persuaded by that prince to embrace the Christian faith. His sons and conjunct successors, Sexted and Seward, relapsed into idolatry and were soon after slain in a battle against the West Saxons. To show the rude manner of living in that age, Bede tells us, that these two kings expressed great desire to eat the white bread distributed by Melitus the bishop at the communion but on his refusing them, unless they would submit to be baptized, they expelled him their dominions. The names of the other princes who reigned successively in Essex are Sigebert the Little, Sigebert the Good, who restored Christianity, Switham, Sigeri, Offa. This last prince, having made a vow of chastity, 
notwithstanding his marriage with Kenesuitha, a Mercian princess, daughter to Penda, went in pilgrimage to Rome and shut himself up during the rest of his life in a cloister. Selred, his successor, reigned thirty-eight years and was the last of the royal line, the failure of which threw the kingdom into great confusion and reduced it to dependence under Mercia. Swithard first acquired the crown by the concession of the Mercian princes, and his death made way for Sigaric, who ended his life in a pilgrimage to Rome. His successor, Sigared, unable to defend his kingdom, submitted to the victorious arms of Egbert. End of section 6